now. Three, two, one, go! What's up, everybody? This is episode 99 of Cooldown Time. In this episode, we're breaking down the Starfield delay, plus our thoughts on the Resident Evil 4 demo, the Suicide Squad delay, and we're taking a trip back to 1999 to relive one of the most pivotal years in gaming. So let's introduce your two-man panel for the show. I'm your graphically impressive host, Marco, and joining me is the guy that's getting on my damn nerves, Pablo. Pablo, I... (laughs) We're, we're we're gonna we're gonna talk in this little intro we do, man. Cause first, first of all, we get ready to record. I'm telling this guy I'm ready. He wants to brag about eating pudding before we get started. And he wants to put the 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 sunglasses emoji face next to it, like he's doing the coolest shit ever. Pablo, what is going on with you right now? What's going on? First, it's that. Then, that you, the then, you, I, then you tell me you're reading some some boring ass Confederate 1976 ass book. And then you tell me about a a midlife crisis moment, all right? Walk me through what's going on with you, man. I mean, the kids would call it living my best life. No, it's not. This is not that. Marco texts me. He goes, what are you? uh, Hey, five minutes. I'm ready. And I'm like, yo, give me five minutes. I'm eating some pudding. And that's some cool shit to admit. You know, I was eating vanilla pudding on a Sunday morning. That's the vibe, bro. And so I make sure that I let him know with the cool with the emoji with the cool glasses saying, bro, I'm just doing dope shit right now. As for the Federalist Papers, which wasn't in written in the nineteen seventies. It sounds it was dusty. Written. It sounds dusty as shit. I almost sneezed when you when you told me what you were reading. I'm not actually reading that. I was that was just something I found. It's actually something I used to prop up the mic, uh, mm-hmm. which is you know pretty much what the country is has used the Federalist Papers just to prop up their soapbox. So let me tell you about um, religion. No, I'm kidding. And then um, and then to uh, kind of round out your complaints about me, ladies and gentlemen, this is supposed to be my friend. Uh, I've discovered and listen. I don't know if you guys heard of him. A little, uh, a little guy called Bruce Springsteen. You know, I like music quite a bit. I just never really oh. was into Bruce Springsteen. Obviously, I've, I've, I've heard "Born in the USA" and, and whatnot. But uh, Bruce Springsteen is the truth, man. Uh, <laughs> no, that guy- listen, we're not starting off this show with. If we have to title this episode "Bruce Springsteen is the Truth," I'm leaving. I'm not coming back. <laughs> I mean, that might have to. That might be it, true, because I've been listening to Bruce Springsteen like all week, and it's like, man, Why? this guy makes good because he's good music. But I know, but how did you get there though? That what is this midlife? Oh. This is your midlife crisis right here. Oh it's yeah, I, I'll, I'll tell you how I got there. Though it's actually interesting how I got there. There was a comedian who made fun of. Of one of his songs called uh, On Fire because the song starts off with Hey little girl you all alone has your dad uh, no hey little girl you home alone has your dad gone and left you alone and then and then he goes I have bad intentions and then he, it's a song about being like it's, song, it's a song about being incredibly and desperately horny and that's how he, and that's how Bruce Springsteen decides and to Pablo's a fan for life now <laughs> Jeez. And I'm like, oh my god, that that's disgusting. Let me hear this song for context, and then I'm like, and let me listen to Glory Days and Born in the USA, oh and then god. just keep going through this whole catalog, and then dancing around my kitchen. You know what I do, not bro? Not the kitchen, Again, not the kitchen. A vibe, just a vibe, oh while eating god. vanilla pudding. 
I'm living my best life. No, man. All y'all out there listening, pretty jealous. You've been getting but on that's my damn all, nerves, man. I listened back to our. I listened back to our last episode too, and I want to also accuse you of gaslighting me because you acted like you didn't botch half of the names of the, of the games you were saying in that episode. You said "Woe Long Final Fantasy," and then I called you out. I, I didn't say. And, no, and then I you said, said then you said, said "Forspoken," uh, and then you really you really meant to say "Forsaken," but you fucked up. And then I'm like, "Wait a minute, what's?" No, I said "Forsaken." You gaslit me that whole no, ass episode. I said, "I said final." I said "Woe Long Final Dynasty," but that's not the name of the game either. It's the last dynasty. Whatever, uh, Fallen Dynasty. No. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's Fallen Dynasty. Good God, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know what's going to happen when I it don't gets even to play loadouts. video games like that. I don't know what's going to happen when it gets to loadouts, bro. Yeah, I'm playing uh, Octopus Tycoon 2. Uh, oh, is that out? Oh, my God. Imagine Dragons, Ishin. Uh, is that out? Those games sound great. <laughs> yeah. Xbox, Imagine Drag. anything Imagine Dragons will be an Xbox exclusive. Oh, my God. They love they love their Imagine Dragons for all their like their little sizzle trailers. Mm. Oh, my yep, God. All they right. sure do. I think I'm done roasting you, man. I'm I'm just tired of all your shit. I think you thought you were gonna roast me, and really, what you did is expose me to being the coolest motherfucker on the pod. No, I think that's kind of no. what you did. And people are like, "Yo, this dude plays video games, eats vanilla pudding in his kitchen while dancing to Bruce Springsteen." Wow. No, no. that's what they said. Most but, of them said, "Wow." Wait, Others in, are in crying. What comments? We don't have a comment section. Where are you? Where are you finding the this comments data? of the the comments of the heart, man? The not, comments. All right, of, we are not talking about <laughs> the comments of the damn heart, ladies and gentlemen. This is what I deal with every single week. If you want to subscribe to this, I, I mean, do it for me, I guess, to support me. Um, we're on Apple Podcast. No, no ad libs while I'm doing my shit. All right, because I, I can't hear what you say until the playback, and then he's doing all these little Migos ass ad libs in, in between. I think he said "Mama" once. Um, <laughs> We're on Apple. <laughs> We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, even our own official website at cooldowntime.com. And if you're feeling extra cool, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Hive at it's cooldown time to keep us in your FOV and me in your prayers in between episodes. Um, Pablo, let's go ahead Mama. and get started with this uh, with this show, man. We have a, a a lot of games we have to talk about. I hope you say them all right. They are the games we've been playing. Since our listeners last heard from us, we call it loadouts. Let's go. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, so we got a couple games uh, we have in common here, but um, I'll kick it over to you first because one of the big games mm-hmm. we were uh, looking forward to this month is, of course, uh, Evil Residence 4. Um, and uh, the demo. <laughs> I was like, wait, the thing is, he said that. I'm like, oh shit, I wrote this that wrong. Come <laughs> through our list. Like, no, I didn't. No, I don't see that here. Um, no, Resident Evil 4's demo uh, has dropped, If uh, in case you were all aware or not aware. Um, we have played it. We have thoughts. And um, I don't know, man. I'm a, little, I'm a little conflicted about this demo, but I want to kick it over to you first. Get your take on how you felt about the, the chainsaw demo, uh, as yeah. it were. Uh, wh- what did you think about this? I mean, I played it twice uh, because the first time I, I, I played through it and... Um, I was a little bit like taken aback. Uh, I I think one of the things that we talked about specifically is that I feel like Resident Evil One and Two remake. Oh, sorry, Two and Three remake. Both uh, th- they had their entire control scheme redone, 
built from the ground up and i felt like re4 what they did is they improved on what was already there and by doing that there there's a sense of fluidity that i didn't get while controlling leon and uh and every time and i think the biggest thing this is the first time it's ever really happened to me because uh, i know mark was a little sensitive to these kind of things um but this really got to me is the fov when uh when aiming down sights or when when you uh aim that really was disorientating. I, th I understand. I think that's on purpose. I think they did all of that uh, just to kind of give that, tense, uh, that, that sense of like um, that, that sense of tension, you know, and I, I get it. And so I played through it. I was a little disappointed, but I will say graphically, holy shit, uh, that game looks amazing. Um, but then playing it the second time and and not really and kind of uh, putting aside how I feel about two and three, which I think are absolutely incredible. The remakes that is, uh, I, 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 I kind of got the pace down a little bit with four and I realized I have to play the game the way it wants me to play it. Not how I think it wants me to, uh, not how I think I should be playing it. And once I kind of got into that groove, I'm like, all right, this is, I like this. This is actually a really cool in between, between two and three and the first person like village type of thing. It's like a really close uh, approximation of the, of the thing that would exist in the middle of those two things. And as I played it, um, I was really, really into it. Uh, but my only other complaint, and again, this is just a demo. So I'm kind of giving surface level. We want to actually sure, talk about yeah, once yeah. the game comes out in a couple of weeks, but yeah, I think the, I think the character repetition, the, the 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 character models, they repeat way too often, mm -hmm. in a way that really takes you out of it. And that was a th a thing in RE4 it that was, was hilarious. Yeah. But the the fact that they did it again here, I don't know if it's an homage or if it's an asset thing, but you know whatever. That that's just a little thing because these guys are so close to human in terms of like their their look that once you see the same bearded guy like three or four times, you're like. This is a village of of quadruplets, uh, but listen, that that game is. I, I think once you get over that, for, for me, once I got over that, I think that RE4. I, I think it's it, it could be it could be special because it looks the graphically that game just really blows me away. Like going through the, the little clearings and the fort, the the bushes, and then like the sunlight coming through, and then hitting that village. I mean, it, all that stuff is really really fire um but yeah i mean i i i i was a little trepidatious once i played it i i'm a little bit more okay with it now i'm a little more relaxed i think when re4 comes out officially i'll be able to kind of delve into it and really give my final uh well not my final but just kind of give my actual feelings on the game but as of right now uh i am still cautiously optimistic uh but uh, I'm looking forward to, to to see how the whole game plays out and how I kind of adjust to what how the game wants me to play it. Marco, how about you? Man, I um I'm not gonna come in as hot as I was planning to because I kind of settled down a little bit and uh, mm -hmm. I found some control settings that I think work for me uh, based on like adjusting the camera acceleration a little bit. So I feel like I'm a little bit more nimble now. But in the beginning, I felt so tanky and slow compared mm -hmm. to the two and three remakes that I was like, man, I, I feel like I'm treading through mud all the time. And because this game is a lot more aggressive with um, the enemies and they're throwing more at you because that's what RE4 does, um, I felt like I just wasn't really playing like a normal person uh, in, in that kind of scenario. I felt like I was still playing an old school game with like new school enemy like encounters and it just felt like way imbalanced to me. But I found a, a good sweet spot with the controls. Um, 
but I still think it's a problem. I know that from what I've heard, there's a dead zone issue with the sticks, uh, particularly on the Xbox version. And basically, for those of you who don't know what that means, um, basically, you know, how how far do you have to tilt the stick for a movement to register, right? So if you have a large dead zone, that means you have to tilt the stick pretty far for your character to start moving or the camera to start moving. Xbox has a really bad dead zone problem. So if, if you're sensitive to that, you're going to have a hard time aiming. You're going to feel like you're not, uh, like, like the game is just not very responsive. So hopefully they can patch that because that does seem to be a predominantly Xbox problem. Um, so, but then on the flip side, the PlayStation's problem is the game looks a little bit worse than the Xbox version. There's a lot of like weird dithering and it just does, it looks a little blurrier as well. Um, but then on this, at the same time, it also runs better than the Xbox version in terms of frame rate. So there's a lot of just weird inconsistencies with the look of the game, the controls of the game, the performance of the game. And I'm a little disappointed about that because usually their remakes are a lot tighter than this. So I'm a little bummed about that. Um, and then it just gets into weird territory. Like, I don't know if you saw this in the demo, Pablo, but there's like a hair option for Leon um, in the display settings yeah. where you can choose like a higher quality hair a hairstyle for him. And then you pick it and it's objectively worse than the quote-unquote bad hairstyle because <laughs> it like it, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't reflect the lighting well so your hair looks like bleach blonde and plasticky on his head and it's like what the fuck is going on with this game um it's, it's i think weird, that's like dude. a uh, dude, that's gotta be a rendering thing because i know be um, some kind of bug because i know a tomb raider uh they made a huge deal about her hair uh and so i don't know if that option is ready yet i guess but um there's a lot of weird stuff with this i i I, I, I'm not worried. I'm not. But it's like, man, RE two and three like us are, are like amazing. Like, yeah. I I don't have reverence for the Resident Evil, uh, franchise at from before, uh. But two and three have come out and they've been absolute revelations for me. Like I am, I am like a, a fan of Resident Evil, like in a, like a huge fan of Resident Evil based on the remakes. Like, yeah. and so to, for four to come out and, and I know it's just a demo, so we can't get too like, uh, we can't get into the weeds here, but to have kind of those little issues kind of scattered, like death by a thousand cuts, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm, I'm hoping that once the demo, once the game is out, that all this stuff will just be completely forgotten. Uh, but it's only it's only two weeks away. This demo just mm. came out. It's supposed to be a representation of the best parts, of the, you know, the representation of what the game is going to be. And 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 so that that kind of stuff is a little bit worrisome. But ultimately, for me, I, I just think two and three were were so well done that it would be it would be an it would be an incredible failure. Uh, on their part for them to release RE4 and, and, mm. and just be not as good because object for, for at least from what people have told me Resident Evil 4 is the best of the series you know it's the best that they have to offer uh, mm. you know within 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 reason I know people love 2 sure and, and, yeah yeah and 2 and 4 is a conversation there but yeah so we'll, we'll see we'll yeah. see how, how this ends up but yeah some weird stuff man I would just recommend turn the graphics feel like the chromatic aberration and lens distortion filters off get all that like extra post processing yeah, nonsense out of there I don't mind that I stuff anymore that but like it it's so overdone in this game that it really makes the game look super super blurry um and i was sticky uh, yeah and a little play yeah and i would also run it on um the uh the frame rate mode uh rather than anything else yeah, i mean it looks better yeah. in the other the resolution modes but 
the the frame rate is not consistent enough. So if you guys end up trying it out before the game comes out, I would I would do that. Tinker with the camera acceleration settings and, and the controls, and you should probably feel pretty good after that. But uh, it's just weird that out of the box, air quotes, it it doesn't feel as good as the two and three remakes do for sure. But we'll keep an eye yeah. on it. It's out in a few weeks, and we'll definitely. I'm still buying it. I'm not gonna you know not yeah, yeah, buy yeah. it. But you know it is a little scary to see that it's like okay, well this is a little not great, but it's a demo. Let's see what happens when the final release comes out. But uh, let's... I need this to be good because I need Code Veronica, man. Yeah, I don't know about that. I think we're getting. I, I think. Uh, I think. I think. I have a feeling this will be like the last remake for a little while. I have a feeling. I don't know why, yeah. but we'll see though. I mean, I mean, if it sells crazy, uh, maybe they'll. I well, really, what I want, I want Code Veronica, but I also would like Five and Six redone, and. But completely like yeah. just reimagined. Well, that's the yeah. thing. Those are going to take like a wholesale change to like almost everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can't have yeah, Chris yeah. Redfield it, it, punching a, boulders like that. Like you can't. No, 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 no. This is it, it, in my mind. It's like we're making a whole new game and we're calling Resident Evil Five. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of where I'm yeah. at. Yeah, yeah, almost like a do-over. That's what they need. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Let's move on, Pablo. You have a game up on your list next that I think would be uh, interesting to circle back to. Talk about it, man. Yeah, like a dragon Ishing. Um, listen. Um, <sighs> I gotta be real, guys. Uh oh. I think I hated this game. Uh oh. I think I hated this game. I I rolled credits on it. Um, I think the story was shockingly lazy. I think the fact that the original game release in Japan only made a lot of sense because it's aggressively patriotic. Like it, mm-hmm. it's meant to evoke these emotions of the birth of the new Japan that I just can't relate with, you know, I, I'm not Japanese. And also they seemingly want, seemingly want us to kind of ignore what those changes brought about to the nation of Japan. Yes. You know, like 50, hundred years down the road. But anyway, uh, not getting political here, but in terms of the game itself, I every every Yakuza game has a lot of like go here, go here, go here, go back to the place you've been before. Like go, <clears throat> that's kind of yeah. what the game is. You, you you're exploring a really interesting city in Kamurocho, uh, and having these really incredible uh, interactions with these sub stories that some work, some don't. Uh, but it's filled with like just life, and it's and it and it feels like a lived-in city, and the characters are just so well written. And in Ishin, everything is like turned down. Like the this, the world is way too small. It's not interesting in any way, shape, or form. You're retreading the same paths to get to the other side of that map, to get to the barracks, to get back to the inn, back to the barracks, back to the inn, back to the barracks, back to the inn, on and on and on, and nothing in between. And then you get these really cool story moments that look cool, but then it's like two seconds of CGI and then five minutes of in-game uh, in-game uh, rendering that looks horrible and they tell the, tell you the most important parts of the story in that way and then obviously like I said lazily written like the main bad guy is this and then we all know it's him and they still tease it for hours and then he shows up and he has white hair and then the next chapter he's back to his black hair I'm like what are we doing what is this this makes no sense and then the spoiler alert here a little bit at the end it's like I'm sorry okay it's it's just that's literally how that that and then the uh, the main bad guy shows up and he's like I'm this and I'm like who who is this person <laughs> like I why am I supposed to be like oh my god I can't believe it. like the it it's it's 
it's not actively bad because it is a Yakuza game and it, and it plays like a Yakuza game and that's always fun. But in terms of the overall, it's the worst Yakuza uh, like a dragon game, period. It's like it's like the, the last one, you know, it's it's just so bad. I, I hate everything about it, uh, just about. And um, I wasted my damn time. Hey, man, because then I went. Cause then I went back to go play uh, uh, Wo Long, and I was like, man, this is too similar. Like the the whole you know the aesthetic sword play. Yeah. I just don't. I, I just don't want to play this right now. Uh, so what I ended up doing is I switched to Atomic Heart. And um, do you have anything to add here about Like a Dragon? No, no. I said my piece last week. I think it's uh, it turned out to be yeah. a pretty mid game overall. But I, I don't want to repeat yeah. the same reasons. But yeah, yeah I, I think I'm, we'll I'm have kinda we'll have you. conversations about this game mm-hmm. at the end of the year and they're not going to be in the uh top th- for, for me uh, it's just not going to make my top 10 at all but yeah uh, then i moved on to atomic heart which is you know atomic heart and Wulong were games that i was always going to go back to well atomic heart not really because I, I marco pretty much talked me out of it but because Wulong long was just not clicking with me and octopus traveler i'm playing that consistently but it has something else to kind of cleanse the palate i decided to throw on atomic heart and you know what honestly i i think atomic heart has a lot of good ideas there are these like kind of moments that happen in that game that are kind of really cool visually looks really cool um and uh there's like a moment when i'm walking down the hall there's music playing it's like a really cool musical cue but then then what that game does (laughs) just consistently it takes these cool moments and then is a horrible moment with your dude being com- a complete piece of shit to you, to this glove yep. for no reason. I told you. The the damn machine that wants to have sex with you, like it's like I I don't I don't understand. Like the 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 tonal shifts in the game are so bizarre. It's like this part was written by a fifty year old male. <clears throat> this part was written by his twelve year old son. It's like it's this dichotomy of just mid writing and horrific writing and all coming together to making this amalgamation of weird because the game itself is already weird but then it's just like i i honestly am gonna keep playing it just a little bit more i i'm finding some of the stuff a little interesting the combat isn't as bad as i thought it was gonna be and i'll, I'll probably give it a little bit more until um until the until we get probably resident evil 4 mm-hmm. i know the show's coming out wwe 2k is coming as well there's a lot of games that i'm interested in playing that i'm really i know that i'm not gonna be able to give my time fully to atomic heart but i do want to play a little bit more just to you know, be able to, to have more to say if need be down the road. But I, I, it's, it's fine. The game, cause the game that I'm playing here is, 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 uh, Octopath, which we're both playing. Uh, yes, so we Marco, are. what do you, how about you, uh, hit us off with that a little bit? Yeah. Where are you so, at on that? So I'm about, uh, I'm about 12 hours in. I've finally got all eight of the, uh, travelers. Oh, nice. I have to say, and it's probably going to surprise you a little bit, but, I'm kind of conflicted on how I feel about this game because yeah. it 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 goes from being spectacular to spectacularly boring back and forth back yeah. and forth back and forth. Um some of the travelers that that you get in this game I think have no right to be a traveler in this game. Like no no right being a main protagonist basically for the game. Some the of them are completely boring. Their backstories are completely uninteresting. Um and then you have that handful that's like these ones right here are fucking cool. I love their backstories. I love their origins. I'm I'm so interested to see where things go next. So it's just the, this tale of extremes, and there's not a lot of middle of the road with this game in terms of that that boredom versus excitement for me. Um, 
And I think that's what's really making it hard for me to get attached to the game. Because every time I play as somebody new, it's like I'm playing the game for the first time again. And then I'm like, well, I kind of don't like this. Well, I don't really want to see this person's story all the way through because I don't know. They're kind of boring to me. Maybe it'll pick up later, but I don't know. So and then and then on top of that, dude, it's like then the game kind of feels really detached from itself because the way that these guys come together feels really like passive. Like, hey, what's up? Do you want to be can I tag along with you? For your travels, sure, and then that—that's then they're just kind of together, and that's all. That's really how it is with almost every like meeting with these these protagonists, and it's like, you guys gonna exchange names first? But anyway, whatever. It's it's yeah, just yeah, weird. Yeah. There's like there's no there's no bridge between how these guys like end up wanting to come together, other than like, hey, we're supposed to, you know, be together in this game now, so let's get together. That's how it feels to me. So. I, I feel like that the interconnection with these eight characters doesn't feel very strong. They feel very disconnected from each other. They really don't talk to each other. Uh, even when they meet for the first time, the person that you're playing as is quiet the whole time and the other person's talking. So it just feels like they're not interactive together. They don't feel like a group to me. Have you have you started getting the the, the missions where you do them together? Like my parents? I just got... I've, I've, I've only been getting the... The, the, the so, companions, so no, no. I, so let me tell you, I, I totally agree with you. And even with those companions and those uh, missions that will show up, those to me are, are still fine. They're still not very interesting to me. So I, <clears throat> I am in the same boat as you. I, I, I am a little more attached to it because I, I am finding, I, I haven't found. I don't think any of the travelers in my, for my personal opinion, are like terrible there are definitely some that are way better than the others like you know uh but you know i'm finding their origin story interesting enough different enough from other ones um and and enough to where it's keeping me a little bit attached to to the game itself uh but yeah i really do dislike the way that they've continued from one to two introducing these characters was like zero kind of any interaction story-wise like each of them are on their individual uh mission but like they don't really it it would be like it would be an incredible time to have these moments where you go save the game and then like tales of arise where you go save your game at a campfire and then you sit around yeah you can talk the literal art of the game shows that like so sitting around yeah. a campfire talking yeah, maybe that happens exactly. later in the game but it's like it doesn't feel like that ever happens though yeah right why do exactly. they care about and each other you, why are they together there's yeah. no context for that exactly it doesn't there's a lot lot there and even if it does happen down the road the fact that you have to play 20 25 30 35 hours to get to that point yeah. that's not that's not fun that's not good like all the best Say what you will about Final Fantasy 15, but the best thing about that game is the bros, you know, mm-hmm. and in terms of like how they interact with each other. And and, and most RPG games, you know, uh, especially JRPGs, especially Square Enix uh, mm-hmm. RPGs, like they, they do that really, really well. And the fact that, you know, that's not happening here. Yeah, it's always frustrating because I'm in those in that zone with that one story with, with one story and I'm, I'm following, uh, uh, you know, a, a story that's really interesting to me. And then I go back to the, uh, and then I have to go and travel with these people, and then that those all those interactions, just plain boring, dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I, just pointless. I, yeah. There's no reason why the game should be yeah. that like d- disconnected from itself. If yeah. that makes and sense. Yeah, and it's so frustrating because man, I, like some of these things are like some of the stuff that happens, and I find myself like just attached for hours. Like man, 
am I playing one of the best JRPGs I've ever played? And then it's like, man, am I playing one of the most boring JRPGs of all time? <laughs> exactly, now, dude. The music, the music though, continues oh, to man. be it's unassailable. It's, like it is, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, that that's where I'm at too. Like I'm not. I was. I, I was actually thinking I was going to shock you a little bit by saying, man, I'm a little bored sometimes with this game mm-hmm. just because of how things are progressing. But yeah. nonetheless, um, I. I'm still really into it, way more into it than I was in Octopath 1. Uh, I think I, I've played enough to where I feel like I need to see it through. Uh, but I, I'm, so far, I'm still there. Like I, I'm still thinking about the game. I'm still coming back to it. I'm still kind of thinking, like, oh, maybe if I go here, I'll be able to get this item. Like I'm still there with it. Like mm-hmm. I, I know myself, and I know when I'm attached to the game, this is definitely a game that I'm attached to. But um, I think i got to figure yeah. out I got to figure out how I want to play it, though, if that makes sense. Like, with this game being yeah, so yeah, yeah. weirdly structured, yeah. i got to figure out how to get into a, into a rhythm with the game. Like, what do I want to do? Do I want to, like, do everybody's first mission, then go around and do everybody's second mission, then go around and do everybody's third mission? Because that sounds horrible to me on paper. So I, I know some people who really like the game. Um, and the way they're playing is they're taking their favorite character and playing straight through, chap- through chapter five. They are their second favorite character and playing straight through chapter five. They're, they're kind of the reasoning is if I fall off the game, I'll, at least I've played the best. I, I've that's seen true. through my, the most interested stories that I'm interested in. Yeah. So that's kind of how I'm probably going to start uh, going yeah. uh, through myself. That might be the right thing uh, to do because, like, if I stop playing the game, then there's eight people that I didn't see the ending for. Yeah. You know? So at least, at least I, if four, I, you're... Yeah, exactly. I get, at least I get some conclusion to some people if, yeah. I, if I ever drop off the game. I'm going to stick with it. But I just... there's... I don't there's know, at man. least... There's at least four characters that I feel uh, that are, like, amazing I ranked uh, everybody's prologues from my least favorite to favorite. And I honestly think, man, if this game was trimmed down to four, the, it, it, four tight, good-ass stories from the, the, my favorite four characters, I would be, I'd be golden. Eight what feels a little rank excessive to me. Um, I'll see if I can pull up my list real quick, though. Um, we're probably going to have different order here. But my, okay, so number one is Throne for me. I like Oswald, number two. I like Particio, <laughs> number three. That's Casti, so far, number yeah. four. Hikari, number five. Agnia, number six. Ochet, number seven. And Tementos, number eight. I thought he was terrible. Tementos is the worst. Uh, that's what I said when you said, you said no right to be a traveler. I'm like the cleric. Yeah, oh. he's awful. Um, I did think I did think his like origin story, like his intro story was actually kind of interesting. It was like a bad um, Sherlock Holmes impression. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his voice, yeah. Oh. But that's kind of my ranking, man. I didn't, I, I hadn't ranked them, but I know that my top four were Throne, Throne. Yeah, how you say his name? Oswald. Throne. Oswald. Yeah, I love Oswald. Yeah. I think Oswald's my number one, and then Throne is my number two. That's fair. Um, that's fair. Yeah, uh, Hikari, I like quite a bit as well. But um, yeah. Anyway, anyway we'll see where we I'm land not gonna here. Drop I think it. this. Game, I'm, I'm gonna stick with it though. I'm not gonna drop yeah, it. I just, uh, yeah, I'm definitely. I just got to figure out my 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 strategy on how to play it, and then I'll be all right. But right now, I feel yeah. a little aimless. I'm like, all right, I don't really know what I'm going for here because I keep going from excited to bored. Um, so I just got to stabilize that playthrough in some way, shape, or form. All right. But I'll get Michael, there. You got another game on your list, and I'm super interested to see how you feel about it since you played the remake of the first of it, mm-hmm. and I want to know how you feel how about two in its current form yeah so um after the demo of resident evil 4 
I was kind of like, you know, as I said at the top of this, I was like, all right, man, that was a little weird for me. I don't know how I feel about it. And then I started replaying like the Dead Space remake in my brain. I'm like, man, maybe that might be the better of the two remakes for the survival horror games this year. I don't know. And I'm like, oh, wait, I think that's on Game Pass now. Dead Space 2. I'm going to go try that. Yeah. Um, I downloaded it. I fire it up. FPS boost out of the gate. Runs as mm-hmm. 60 now. Auto HDR, another win. I'm like, okay, let me let me see how this goes. And this game feels remarkably current, like despite being yeah. from 2011. It's like, oh, this looks kind of solid. I mean, it doesn't look great. It still looks like a 360 game, but I mean, it plays in a very modern way that I think compared to like the original Dead Space on 360, I was like, oh, this feels old. This feels really good. So I'm kind of... Um, I'm kind of loving it, man. The the intro to this game is yeah. far and away to me better than the whole Ishimura intro. Um, I know I, a lot of people prefer that's too- people prefer the Ishimura. In a lot of cases, I think this one to me it it got to it got to the shits as they say really quick. I was totally in on the the whole setup and you know the whole what happened after part one. Yeah. I was in, dude. And it just got going. And it's like, fuck, this is really interesting, man. They're, they're giving you the exposition as you're playing. They're not stopping you, slowing you down, and giving you exposition dumps. Like, you're just getting right to it. Everything flows really well. The combat feels more responsive. Like, it feels really good. Um, it's the best. In my opinion, it's the it's better than the first. Some people, like, far and away. Some people are saying it's, like, the best horror game ever. Yeah. Um, I don't know about that yet. I gotta play it, but I'm gonna play yeah, it. I, know, I think well, my original plan was I was gonna wait for the remake for for two, but I don't know when that's gonna happen or how soon. So it's like, well, you know, I I might as well just try this out at least and see what I think. But man, it is I mean, solid. I mean, I, I, a lot of people are advocating that it doesn't need to be remade because maybe you've brushed up a little bit, like uh, or like remastered. Uh, that we can get that. it. I mean, it could still because I mean, people but... want it. People want it faster, like they want it, like you know. Yeah, that's true. Sooner, I mean, I can see that. rather than later. Um, but yeah. I, uh, yeah, I think that's. I would like a remake uh, in the vein of one because I think that makes the game look as modern as possible. But I like two, man. I like Isaac's story. I think he's kind of starts to to go a little crazy. There's a there's a crazy eyeball scene. I'm not gonna spoil that for you. Just okay. eyeballs. Okay. Just oh, just right. know that. Hey, I'm not, uh, I've seen it all. So I'm, I'm I was ready. bro. That's for me. That was like look away stuff. I'm like, I, I just couldn't do it. Just, that's the noise you'll make. I, I, I guarantee one, okay. it. Okay. All right. I never, yeah. I've never hit yeah. that whispery pitch before, but I, I will try. Oh, you're going to hit it and you're going to be like, damn, and you're going to want to record. You can grab the mic and just start, <laughs> you know, a couple of riffs I'm more there. concerned about the DM afterwards. Why, why would I say that? <laughs> that make a damn bit of sense um but yeah yeah I, I don't know if i'm gonna stick with it all the way through because i i i'm playing it almost like man i i want to wait for the remake because this is so good but it's still yeah. so good i want to play it now um but the good news is i think you know ea has like sent out like a poll or not a poll but like a, a survey uh to people yeah, about you know hey would you want to see us do two and three and yeah dummies like the fuck you talking about yeah so I'm 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 all in on Dead Space now, man. It took me a long time to get into this series, but now I am uh, balls deep in this thing. Um, 
Okay, man. We we gotta go balls deep in this. Shit. I'm balls deep in this space. <laughs> All hey. right, ladies and gentlemen, um, that is gonna do it deep. for loadouts this week. We are gonna jump into the new segment of the show up next. We call it hit points. Let's go. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for hit points. All right, so we have like three and a half uh, hit point news items here. Two of which are about the same topic. Uh, and then we have some interesting ones rounding it out towards the end. But Pablo, I want to kick it over to you first. Uh, tell us what is going on with Todd Howard's magnum opus to be, or is it? <laughs> His magnum opus. Well, Starfield, um, well, that's been delayed. Delayed to September 6th. Uh, 6th. <laughs> September 6th. September 6th, uh, and dedicated Starfield Direct uh, was announced for June 11th. Yeah. Uh, after two consecutive delays, uh, how do we feel about the state of Starfield? And uh, should we be concerned? Marco, what do you think? All right. Um, I tweeted this uh, the other day when, when this was all announced. And I, I said, um, I've never seen the gaming community so excited about a game missing its second release window. Um it's so bizarre to me, dude, because I think for the sake of just being clear, I want Starfield to be great. I want it to be an awesome game. I want it to be everything that we hope it can be because it, it the premise is so cool and the scope is so interesting and its ambition is so awesome. But I I also feel like confused about Bethesda because for them to know they're making a game this big this expansive, this ambitious, how could it be that Bethesda of all companies didn't realize how big this game was going to be and like how unrealistic they were about their release date expectations? Like, How did you not know the game would not be ready for 2022 for a game to be this huge? You know what I mean? And then you have the Xbox side of things where they give you the you know, the, the, you know, the games showcase presentation middle of last year, everything you're going to see here is from the next 12 months. So you make that, you make that assurance. You put Starfield in that presentation telling everybody, Hey, it's going to be out in the next 12 months. It's going to be out by next June, which is coming up now. And then you walk that back to, so now on both levels with Bethesda and with Xbox, I can't help but sit here and scratch my head because it's like, yeah, now, what do you do for your next E3-ish presentation in June this time? Do you still go with this format of here's what we do? For, here's, here's what's coming out in the next 12 months, maybe? Is that your... Absolutely not. What do you do? Yeah. Right? They can never do that again. I get that Starfield might be an outlier because of how, again, how big this game is. I'm not trying to make development sound easy by any stretch of the imagination. But that's the problem because they kind of did make it seem like oh we got this it's coming out in 2022 oh no 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 no! don't worry yep. guys. it's coming out before june and now we're getting september and it's like oh well, okay fine i think a lot of the giddiness from the community is kind of i'm gonna get a little psychological here pavel i think part of it is because they saw starfield again just on its on the surface they saw starfield again and they got excited because they saw starfield again 
Not necessarily yeah. that they love the delay. They just love being able to say, hey, we saw some more Starfield. Let's di- let's dissect it. And we're going to do that in a second. But I think that's where a lot of the giddiness comes from. And I think people have also taken this these two delays and they've kind of warped it into this guarantee they're making to themselves like well because it got delayed again that guarantees the game is going to be great because they're taking extra time to get it all right i don't know if that's the right angle to look at this i feel like there's a real reason to say maybe they're taking this long because they they're kind of you know up to their waist and shit and they've got to figure it out who knows but I think this 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 self-made like guarantee that because it's delayed to September, now that means this game is going to come out ultra polished and in great shape. I don't know if you can make that assurance. Um, no, you can't. So that's where I'm at as far as the delay goes. We'll, we'll kind of break down what we saw uh, in yeah, the yeah. background of that trailer in a second. But right. what do you what do you think so far? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, and you you alluded to this in your in when in what you just said. Uh, making games is hard um i'm not upset really about the delay of starfield i i I do think this marco um to kind of answer your question at least with my guesstimation as to what happened i think if 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 bethesda was independent i think the game would have launched last year um and it would have launched uh in however state it's in and it would have been playable and people would have been fine and people probably would have gave you the whole bethesda jank a charm thing going for it but i think um now bethesda's in a position and xbox in a position where this game has to be damn near perfect uh for it to to not only uh, be good, but be worth it for everybody involved. Uh, and so I think that Xbox is giving them the time to do that. But 100%, there is no way with Bethesda's history that you can be give any kind of assurances that because it delayed twice, that now it's going to be polished to a T and it's going to be an incredible experience. Uh, and that could very well be, but that's just not what's happening here. My issue with the whole thing is Xbox, once again, self-inflicted L's, self-inflicted L's. They are shooting themselves in the foot and nobody else is helping them fuck their own shit up. They did not in any way, shape or form need to guarantee a 12 month period on anything shown in that showcase. Yeah. Nothing at all. Because when you look at it, you look at their pillars at their three games, Redfall, Forza Motorsport and um, and Starfield. Out of those three, only one is making in that window. And that's going to be Redfall in May. Maybe. Right. Uh, So. With that said, you got two games, Forza Motorsport seemingly coming sometime in 2023, and now Starfield coming in after that. Already, already, you're giving everybody ammunition to be like, Xbox once again uh, fails and, 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 and over-delivers and under-promises, and nobody is wrong about that. That is 100% true. That's been, Phil Spencer's legacy has been saving Xbox and then over-promising and under-delivering. He's been doing it for years now he's the head of it so it it all comes down to him i'm sure when you think about it it's like oh it's really cool that xbox can give these studios their time to really shine and and deliver a game that's going to be great i get that but when you put yourself in the position when you tell everybody this game is coming out in november and it's written in ink Mm -hmm. never mind but it's coming out in the next 12 months and now it's not that there's no confidence there. We can't have as consumers, as me, as a fan of uh, and you, as a fan of Xbox. We have no confidence in Xbox right now. They're telling me it's coming out September 6th. I'm saying I'll believe it when I'm playing it. Because what I mean at this point, what 
no, sorry, it's delayed another couple of months until November. Like, it, it, you know what I mean? Like, that wouldn't shock me at all at this point. And so, it's 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 as an Xbox fan, it it upsets me because they keep they keep having these self inflicted wounds. They keep doing it. it it's they, they they're shooting themselves in the foot over and over and over again, trying to promise you, trying to kind of quail the the, the community, trying to to be out in a positive light within the video game community. Yeah. And all they're doing is is pushing back disappointment twelve months because there's a litany of games here that they promised that aren't even up to them. Third party games like Cocoon, Ravenlock, uh what what else oh why we talked about Urban know, Shadow I mean, Legacy. I can like all these games, games that are like, who, yeah who? but they're all right but they're all like third party like games that are going to be on game pass yeah, yeah, and yeah. some people were like right. really excited about Lightyear frontier and all this stuff but these games are nowhere to be seen and nowhere no nobody's talked about them it's they're guaranteed they're, they've guaranteed so much and delivered so little that at this point it's it's becoming a little concerning here in terms of what they're doing because I was always of the mindset it doesn't matter how you start it's how you end but if how you end is in the middle of that is 500 broken promises 30 delays of all your first part for party games your confidence is shot the consumer's confidence is shot once mm-hmm. you announce a game like once they eventually announce Hellblade 2 uh either and they give me a date there's no there's no chance in hell I'm going to be confident in that date so yeah. at this point it's just they, they again and I've said this uh, a couple times already but self-inflicted wounds self-inflicted L's Xbox is just doing this to themselves over and over and over again and it's got it's going to get to a point where it they have to shut up and deliver or there's going to be hell to pay. And that's just and that's just the way this is, period. Yeah, people got to understand that when it comes to Xbox, this is a messaging issue, right? Because mm-hmm. the problem is you're not like you said, you're not you're not living up to your own um, promises, right? So y- your goalpost is all over the damn place. And so I don't mm-hmm. know how, you know, what this does is it makes it very hard to kind of grade how well Xbox is doing because they keep telling you something different every time they open their mouths. It's coming out now. It's coming out later. Um, this is going to be for games coming out in the next 12 months. This is sorry. Actually, no, it this makes it very hard to kind of rein Xbox in and hold them to a standard because they keep changing their own damn standard. Um, and then trying right. to make that sound okay to the community. And a lot of these Xbox podcasts and pundits that are very pro Xbox are continuously apologetic toward, about this whole issue. And, and, you know, a lot of copium is out there right now. Um, yeah. And it's, it's frustrating because those are the voices um, that can really start to, you know, get Xbox under control by saying, no, this isn't okay. I'm not just going to be glad that it's coming out later because it'll come out better. It, you have to do a better job with how you're talking to us. And I don't feel like there's enough people in, in, you know, in the podcast space or in the YouTube space that are really calling that out. I think people just want to be relieved that they saw Starfield again a couple of days ago and that they got a firm release date. I think that's all people really want. And that's yeah. not enough when you think about, like you said, all of the Xbox's L's when it comes to their messaging and their promises. So they got to do something about this. They got to get it under yeah, control. And, and I think uh, we go after a lot of the uh, Xbox uh, podcast community or YouTube because of the fact that I am a fan of Xbox. I listen to a lot of those podcasts and, you know, I, you know, 
when it's something that I agree on, I agree with it. But then, unfortunately, they just don't. They don't hold Xbox accountable because Xbox is so involved in their every day, right? Mm-hmm. Like you got Aaron Greenberg shouting out Xbox podcasts. You have Phil Spencer showing up on some of them. It's like it's so it, it's almost afraid for them to be critical of it because they don't want to lose the that connection. Yeah, the relationship. Yeah, so it's it's. It's tough to listen. It's 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 tough to 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 listen to them and 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 know that they're not subjective because it's just they have their entire podcast is built on those relationships and it's yeah. sad because if you're gonna have a community like that, it'd be good to ask somebody and there and there are some out there, but to to, to somebody to call you out on it. Uh, yeah. But it is what it is at this point. Well, let's uh, yeah, man. let's talk about Starfield's actual, you know, what we've learned through watching over the shoulder footage. Uh, yeah, over Todd Howard, the, the sleuths <laughs> are out there. So I've seen some, I've seen some, uh, some uh, Twitter threads kind of breaking everything down. Yeah. that are completely made up lies. Mm-hmm. Like I saw one that's like you can see that the jetpack. Uh, control has more impact. How? How do you see that? Mm-hmm. But anyway, these are more stuff that, <laughs> that are a little bit more clear in terms of what they showed up here. Uh, during Starfield's release date, trailer gameplay footage was shown, and that's the background stuff we're going to talk about right now. Uh, there might be, one, there might be a 60 frames performance mode. Uh, small improvements have been made to mobility and third-person mode. Human NPC companions are in. What does that mean? Sorry. Well, they they were in the initial reveal. They only showed the the like the mech companion, and I think that's people right. Were yeah, yeah, con- okay, confused yeah, yeah. About like, is that all you can bring along with you, or can you bring actual people? So they no, you can't. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and you saw enemy levels as high as seventy five. Uh, con- uh, container looting works the same way like the Fallout games did, specifically Fallout Four. And, you know, also like uh, Fallout 4, there's HUD color customization, or at least it looks like there might be some of that. Uh, Marco, what do you think? I mean, the most exciting thing for me is the 60 frames per second. Uh, Obviously, that's a a point of contention for everybody, even us here, whether or not this would have it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, that's that's awesome. And the human NPC stuff, like, there's not a lot. There's a lot here, but not a lot here. Like, I kind of want to see this game in action. This is kind of intentional, right? Because this is why I, I kind of wanted to show what... Okay, let me rewind here. So when they showed this over-the-shoulder footage, right, and they thought it was cute to show us stuff yeah. in that kind of fashion instead of giving us a trailer or an extra overview trailer to give us more details. Instead, they gave us this these little hints and clues in the background of like Todd Howard talking, which I thought was really obnoxious, right? Because 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 this is all we can glean from that. These if yeah. these if if what Pablo read off did not sound particularly exciting to you, that was on purpose. That was that's the point that I'm trying to make by itemizing what we learned. The only to Pablo's point, the only interesting thing here is that it might be 60 frames, might be right because some of the footage did look a little smooth, and it was like oh maybe that looks like 60. I don't know. The rest of this is a giant juicy nothing burger to me so the whole issue i have with the way that they showed gameplay in here is that they thought they were giving us these interesting little breadcrumbs and tidbits to dissect and freeze frame and let's look at this thing and zoom in 200 percent to see what that said like 
I've seen some YouTubers. I'm not gonna name no names. Like they do these little breakdown videos showing stuff they they, they saw from the, tra- the you know this this trailer, and it's like okay, whatever. Like okay, guys, look, you can take your helmet off in certain areas of the game. Is that worth a YouTube video for? Like seriously, also, this is what I mean. Like also far reaching. Like <sighs> certain things is like there's no way you can glean any of that from what you're saying you're 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 guessing here yeah. you're you're giving them the benefit of the doubt like certain things with motion and movement you can't really tell that for yourself someone said the shooting the gun seems to be a lot better how do you figure yeah. that like i it's all you were able yeah. to see is like he was able like they were able like to kind of move like to the side a little bit better like shimmying a little bit more when they were using the jetpack like yeah, that yeah, looked yeah. a little bit more nimble but like the whole point of of this is like this is not enough. When you have starved, no, no. when you've starved the Xbox community for so long, you can make breadcrumbs sound like a buffet. And I think that's You're what right, a, true. that's what a lot of content creators are doing. They're trying to treat breadcrumbs like a buffet. Oh man, there's so many little things to unpack from this trailer that they showed in the background. No, there's not. HUD HUD color customization is not a big deal, fam. Container and looting been system doing it for years. Yeah, it's none of it is interesting. What's interesting is how does this game run? What is the core objective of this game? What's the point of what all this stuff is? Like, what? How does all of these features and modes and functions come together to make a cohesive game? Like, these are the things we need to know. Oh, but we have to wait till June to figure that out. When it should probably have been out by June, for all intents and purposes. Wow. But yeah, we'll get our direct in June. According to Xbox, yeah. <sighs> So, I mean, look, I, I know we sound insufferable, but at, at the same time, this, this is what it is. This is Xbox's messaging. And the frustration is that they're making bad news try to sound like good news, and they're giving us breadcrumbs that are literally just breadcrumbs. Like, there's nothing important about this information other than 60 frames, possibly. And that's what I feel, too. Like, they, nobody, and, 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 and correct me if I'm wrong, Marco, or... Or anybody listening, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. But at least from what I've seen and kind of in my perception in terms of my Twitter activity, I've not seen Phil, Aaron, or anybody associated with Xbox come out and be like, hey, I know we promised this game in the next 12 months, but that's sorry that didn't happen. But rather what they're doing is doing us a favor. Guess what, guys? We're going to go ahead and show you some stuff on June 11th. And guess what? Releasing on September 6th. You're welcome. That's the vibe I got from it. You know, I I, I don't know if they uh, did apologize or say it, but nobody really has mentioned it. Almost seemingly pretending that they never said the 12-month thing. So, I don't know. That that just rubs me the wrong way a little bit. Well, let's move on from Starfield, Pablo. Let's jump into other Microsoft-related news. Uh, Pablo, Sony is concerned. Uh, I don't know if you know about this, but Sony's got a lot of worries about Microsoft these days. And the latest concern, Pablo, is that Microsoft will sabotage Call of Duty for the PlayStation after the Activision Blizzard deal passes. They are worried that this will include bugs, errors, and other degradations to the final level of the campaigns through title up or, or through title updates. Um, which could hypothetically incentivize the Call of Duty community to migrate to Xbox. Sony also expressed concern that Microsoft may not discount Call of Duty on PlayStation through sales or promotions to build on that Xbox first incentive. So 
on a scale of one to ten, Pablo, how plausible are these concerns from Sony? Zero. Shut the fuck up. Listen. <laughs> Look, not a zero. All right, let, uh, let, let, let let's let's go let's go ahead and, and um and play fair here. One, right? <clears throat> PlayStation knows this isn't happening. They aren't really trying to change the FTC's mind. They are weaponizing their community and their tin foil wearing hat people to come out and be like, "Yeah, this is gonna happen. This is a thing. It, it's it's ridiculous. This is the epitome of grasping at straws." Uh, I, I think that this is ridiculous. Uh, if place if Xbox releases Call of Duty at all on PlayStation, let's just be honest, they, they want it to work well because they're trying to make the most money they possibly can off this title because they just spent seventy billion dollars on it. So yeah, this is just ridiculous in terms of uh PlayStation of Xbox not discounting Call of Duty on PlayStation. Yeah, maybe, but Call of Duty doesn't really go on sale anyway to begin with. And let's and on and t- on top of that, we already have games that Xbox. Xbox owns uh, like um, Ghostwire Tokyo and uh, Deathloop that are not not only have they been discounted to hell, but also are on their uh, PlayStation Plus services for free to play right now. So it's it's this is ridiculous. I mean, look, I, I think Sony being Microsoft being Sony's competition, Sony just can't sit idly by as Microsoft purchases their one of their best-selling games on their on their console. I understand that, and I it's been annoying and it's been a pain in the ass. And Jim Ryan has got a lot of flack, but he has a job to do and he's doing it. But the way Sony is going about it now, and these final and these end days, because it looks like the deal is about to go through, <clears throat> is just flat out ridiculous it has nothing to do with them trying to change ftc's mind but really just kind of the final <clears throat> grasp at shit before they ultimately they're, they're basically planting a seed so they can have that in their mind of their players so when xbox ever releases something on their system they can be like oh this might not be working to the best of ability. And if it's not, because they've through this admitted that the certification process is trash because they apparently can't catch a damn uh, a bug in the last level of a game that should be important <laughs> to them. But it, it's ridiculous. This, all of it is dumb, silly bullshit. This is kind of like the perfect little ending to the little bow to all this is Sony just going fall out. Uh, uh, it's going uh, all out uh, conspiracy theorists on all, all this. It's, it's kind of crazy. What do you think? Um, I give this like may, I, maybe a two, maybe a two. And the only reason why is because of two things. I think, you know, could they sort of gatekeep discounting the game on PlayStation? They could. And I could probably see that happening. Um, the only thing that I would say, and I, I want to preface this by saying I'm not saying this is valid uh, as an argument or viable. <clears throat> but I think if Sony really wanted to lean into this, this tinfoil theory, what they could do is look at, Activision Blizzard's business practices already and say look at how anti-consumer they've been over the last few years yeah. microtransactions out the ass um, you look at the Diablo debacle um, and, and the backlash received from that they, they could probably compile a really albeit dumb case of anti-consumer tactics with Activision because of how they've maneuvered throughout the last couple of years but again, even then, it's not plausible. It's not. There's nothing there that it can really um, lean into to make this seem more valid. Um, and historically, you can't look at bugs, errors, crashes, or anything like that 
and say that that's ever been an intentional tactic that we've seen in the business, at least not that I'm aware of. That would be unprecedented no. if that actually happened. So I don't think Sony has a leg to stand on here. I think I think at this point, both sides seem to be like trading lies and, and manipulative, you know, verbiage uh, across the proverbial table here uh, in, in, in this whole situation. Um, I think they both have come away, Microsoft and Sony, looking worse than they did before. Um, yeah, so I, 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 th- I agree with that. I think just overall, I think in terms of image, this whole ordeal has been um, detrimental to both sides in some unique ways. <laughs> so, so someone said, man, if Sony's saying this, that means that they might have, you know, like maybe they did this before. Because, I mean, I, yeah, it's bullshit. Obviously, they haven't. But it's like it's such a weird thing to claim. Yeah. And it's it's super accusatory. Like, it's like, damn. Yeah. I mean, going out that's, of your way to, crazy. to glitch the last level of a campaign for Call of Duty. <laughs> for what? Just for console wars? Fuck PlayStation. Woo, we did it. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, if Xbox wants to release this on everything and they've already made a, a deal with fucking Nintendo, it's because they want to, they know that this IP is huge. And not only do they want it to be the, continue for it to be the best selling game on their console, the best selling game on every console, and then they make all their money back. They'll make their money back immediately. They want this on everything. Yeah. I, I think also the concern of it not being on PlayStation is, an also, is another scare tactic by Sony to scare the consumer into like, oh my God, we'll never have Call of Duty. It's always going to be there, guys. It, it, it has to be. It just doesn't make any sense for them to not do this. Um, mm. But yeah. Yeah, um, that's where we're at. Yeah, let's move on uh, though, Pablo, to the fourth and final uh, hit point news item. We'll, we'll get to this one pretty quickly though. Uh, Suicide Squad: Kill the Justice League has been delayed due to fan backlash from their extended gameplay reveal at Sony's State of Play recently. A new release date has not been revealed, uh, but nevertheless, based on the negative reception of that state of play presentation is this the right move pablo and the bigger question is maybe what if anything can rockstar truly do to resolve these concerns during this extra development time suicide squad kill this game no just release <laughs> That's it the dumbest just release joke. it there's nothing there's nothing that they can do uh, uh, other than completely literally canceling the game and starting from scratch uh you know a lot of complaints about the game have to do with with it being a game as service but also just how lame the game looked shooting purple orbs and purple warts and zits to it it, it, it just was a <laughs> it's just uh it just looked like a bad game and um <clears throat> i think jeff grubb uh, has said that the game is actually not coming out this year that the delay is very significant and a part of that has to do with the fact that they're going to do some tweaks, but they also want to take this memory of what happened, kind of let it die out a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, so there's nothing they can do. I mean, it really isn't. Like, Avengers was a game that came out and did poorly, and it had way, way, way more going for it. It looked way better. Every character played differently. It had everything you thought people would want, and still the game failed. And then Kill the Justice League comes out, and it looks horrible you know, in terms of how it plays and how it looks and just the characterization of each of the characters. It just, it's not a good look for them. There's nothing they can do to change it other than outright just canceling this game or completely revamping it to, to for it to not even look like this not, or play like this. Like, there's just no way. It's just release the game, let it anthem its way into obscurity mm. and move on. 
you know, move on. Yeah. I mean, for me, uh, it, it, it was the right move. Um, there's no way you can release the game at, at the peak of, of this, this backlash and, and hope for a good result and then have to go on a year-long apology tour of we're listening to your feedback. We, we take your experience seriously and then have that like year of patches long after people have bounced off the game. Like, it, it just would have been a bad move. So it was the right call. The problem is it's so much of this game is ingrained in this live service structure that unless you totally take that out of the equation completely, um, there is going to be some, some degree of, of fuckery in this game no matter when they release it. It just is what it is. Um, but even I, even if you take that game of service stuff out, you still have the lame duck gameplay. Exactly. Yeah, and that's what I mean. So much of this is just it's it's irreparable unless you're just going to completely overhaul uh, everything. Like, what's wrong with this game is not just the live service component. To your point, it it is it no. is the core gameplay that we saw. It looked it looked ridiculous. It looked like trampoline. The game, like that's what it looked yeah. like. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, it just looks silly. Yeah. So I think at the end of the day, here's what they can do. <laughs> get the battle pass out of there, for starters. Stop trying. Get, get that nickel and dimey shit out of the equation for a bit. Like, yeah. we don't need that. Just give people a decent roadmap. Tell us what's coming down the pike. And stop trying to buy the game and buy the battle pass. So that way you can get this exclusive douchebag skin that makes you look like a character that's not in the game. <laughs> like, we don't need all of that. Just make the, the, the gameplay f- is, is more polished as you can be without having to obviously overhaul because you can't at this point. And get rid of, like, the little frivolous shit around the live service stuff that you really don't have to have day and date with the launch. Marco, I'm as you know, and we've even got into debates on the show about games as service. I'm a huge game as service hater, and I I come from a point of view I don't think it, any game like this could work. But I am if they come out and they do some tweaks to gameplay, and they release this game for free on every service like Game Pass, and then on PS Plus. I think that's a I think that's a way for them to kind of make some money off the transactions, which should not be predatory, uh, and that maybe that's the only way they can get through this or release the game at thirty dollars and then have like these transactions with the big DLCs or whatever. But I think it all comes down to money and time. They can't change the game in terms of how it looks and how it plays, but they can change it how we perceive it in terms of what we spend on it. And what we get out of it. Mm-hmm. And if it's free on Game Pass or on PlayStation Plus, and you could pay $10 for a game, a, 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 even if it's a battle pass for like a, three months of a season or something, then at that point, I think you'll be able to make some money. I think you'll be able to get some people interested in it because it's so, it's not asking you for $70 and then give me all your other money. Yeah. Like it's not holding you up for that. So, Maybe that's the best way of going about yeah. it. We'll see. There's no perfect pl- uh, plan, I think. But you can do no. stuff to kind of lessen the blow of what's coming for this game, I think. Um, but That's right. We'll see. I ain't buying it, though. Um, but it is time, yeah, no. ladies and gentlemen, to rewind the clocks, calendars, and everything in between down to 1999 for our Checkpoint Chat. Let's go. It's time for the Checkpoint Chat. Ladies and gentlemen, it is 1999 here in episode 99 of Cooldown Time. Um, we are coming to you uh, in this trip down memory lane to talk about 
1999 in, in gaming, what we thought, the best games of the year, the best reviewed games of the year, the worst games of the year, and then our personal favorite games of the year. Um, so we have a lot of stuff to oh, unpack Marco. here. Sorry, bro. I had to hear the word you said because I'm listening to Genie in a Bottle, which is one of the hottest songs of 1999. Oh, okay. Uh, so this is leading you into my first so. question as like a warm up. I wanted, <laughs> I want to know. I want you to give people a snapshot, Pablo. I want to. I want you to tell the people what what 1999 Pablo was like. Describe that. Describe that mm. that boy if you can. Tell me what's going it's on. It's kind of a sad, kind of a sad boy. Okay. Um, I I had just moved away from my friend Marco. Yep. Pretty cool guy. Uh, and so yeah. I was in this new place and I had no friends. It was a, another cul-de-sac that I was living in. Mm. But and so I got into PC gaming uh, and I watched the Green Bay Packers lose to the uh, Broncos mm -hmm. that year. Um, let me think here. I played in the hell out of Ages of Empires, too. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it was just a lot of. A lot of sad boyness mm. uh, inside the house a lot. Not used to that. Uh, but, yeah, man, that was kind of my 1999 playing a lot of uh, still playing Ocarina of Time, uh, Monkey Island, Return to Monkey Island. Uh, and that was 1999 for me, man. Mm, uh, it was just a lot of that. Oh, also had like a was it? No, that was 2000. Never mind. But, yeah, uh, yeah, man, it was uh, it was a lot of that. But. That's where I was. How about you, man? What were you doing in 1999? What kind of weird soul-ass version of that song <laughs> I don't did you do there? Okay, I was like, Luther, Luther Vandross uh, did Prince a Prince cover. Um, Prince's 1999. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I was, uh, man, back then I was a really quiet kid, man. I was just, I was that kid that was just like the one that just was goody two shoes in school got good grades but just kept to himself i was that prototypical like nerd that just yeah hung back in the cut man i was i wasn't a real chatty patty like i am today um so personality well, was chatty personality wise i'm 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 definitely in my quiet phase uh as i'm you know coming into my own as a little kid um i am uh i'm in a weird transitional time as far as like my tastes in things are starting to change at this point. I'm starting to figure out what I like and dislike, what kind of music I actually like, what kind of TV I like, what kind of games I like. So my expectations and my standards for things, what gets me excited is kind of starting to shift at this point. And I'm really starting to kind of, I'm starting to find myself. Um, <laughs> oh, ghost was so cute. <laughs> but um, no, it was actually an interesting year for me, though, as, uh, as, as the, the nerd that I would eventually come to be. Uh, because I, like I said, I was starting to figure out what I liked a lot about gaming and I was starting to figure out, like, I kind of want to do something gaming related for a profession. And then obviously yeah. things went to shit and later on I became a stripper and all kinds of other fucked up shit. But, uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. that didn't happen, but, you know, um, but no, it was a, it did happen. It, it did happen. Well, you know, look, um, well, I, I would say 1999 is also the year that I found out what a scrub was. Oh, you didn't want no scrubs. Um, you didn't want those. Yeah, but I found out what a scrub was. I'm like, okay, TLC informed me mm -hmm. of what a scrub was and how they didn't want it. That's a, also a year where I discovered Eminem. Yeah. Much to my parents' chagrin. Yep, yep. Uh, yep. Y2K threat uh, was very real at the time. Thought all of our technology yeah, was going away. Or what, was it, what did I say? Y2, you said Y2J, I think. Uh, you were I alluding to okay. Chris. Chris Jericho! Okay. The Ayatollah of rock and roller. But um, yeah. yeah, I... Uh, 
yeah, man, it was a, it was an interesting was a time, year man. looking through some of the music here. Mm-hmm. Were you a TRL fan, by the way? Did you ever watch TRL, Carson Daly, and all them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched a little bit of it whenever I could. Did you call you in know, and make requests? Did you do that too? No, I didn't call in and make requests <laughs> at all. Uh, yes, can you guys play Ninety Degrees to. again? Hey, can you put could you put in that one song, uh, All Star by <laughs> by Mushmouth? So you were fucking up names <laughs> back then too. That's what you just yeah, confirmed. I was All fucking right. up back then. Yeah, I, I was like, "Hi, can I have my name? My name is by um, Skittles." <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is going, this segment's already jumped the shark. But uh, listen, uh, as far as gaming in 1999 goes, Pablo, we have a couple of 1999 <laughs> hit points uh, from back in the Yay. day, two to be exact. Um, Pablo, why don't you start off with yours and talk, talk us uh, through what happened? Yeah, the Sega Dreamcast launched in nine nine ninety nine with nineteen launch titles. What do we think about the Dreamcast back then? Like, what was your mindset when you heard about Dreamcast when it was coming out, and how do we feel about the Dreamcast fates, the the fate of the Dreamcast today? Marco, let's kick that off to you. How do you think? How do you feel? All right, buckle up, everybody. Clip this if you have to. This is that bullshit. This is that bullshit. Here we go. Uh, guys, I'm sorry for him. Go ahead, stripper. <laughs> Don't say it in a derogatory. Okay. Are you stripper shaming me right now? All right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Go ahead, stripper. Okay. The Sega Dreamcast sucked and it deserved to die. <sighs> that's not what we're. That's not what we're here for. How did you feel about it in 1999? <laughs> that's how I felt about it. I well, I didn't. There's no way. I felt that, dude. I look, man. When the Dreamcast was first announced, when it came out, I'm like, this is not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not going to work because this is a, there, there's a lot of... It's come from a Sega fan, y'all. It is, and that's what I wanted to say. Like, I'm not some just innately, like, anti-Sega guy. I was a big Sega fan. Right. But I... I and yep. I'm not trying to sound like I knew my shit at the time. You know, I'm fucking 13 at this, at this point. I'm not a guru. But I could tell, like, this isn't going to work because you got... You know, we'll talk about it later when we get to best-selling consoles. You got PlayStation coming into the scene and cooking at this point. You've got... Nintendo still cooking with two different platforms and it there just wasn't a space for Sega to come in and have Sonic and a bunch of filler bullshit and be enough. I'm sorry. And I know people are going to be filler bullshit, but they had crazy taxi. Like, oh, okay. Love it. This is the problem with the Dreamcast, right? They had a lot of really cute, you know, bubblegum kind of games like those that are just fun and arcadey and, and, and a good time to have. But they did not have anything, guys, that was sustainable that they can build on in the future. You cannot make uh, Sega's history was not going to flourish because they had fucking Crazy Taxi and, and Shenmue, which was the most boring fucking game of all time. <gasps> uh, the best thing they also had thing, Soul Calibur. I was just gonna say they had Soul Calibur, but that was that wasn't like it was a Sega, you know, developed game or anything like that. They had it as an exclusive, right? Mm-hmm. The two K series, I can yeah. say at the time, you know, turned out pretty well. And I give I give Jet Grind Radio personal kudos because I love that series. I don't think you can look at a lot of that other stuff and say they can really build a good foundation from those franchises. You can't. All they had was really what? Sonic to build on. And, and as we know, Sonic, you know, some people love Sonic Adventure. Okay, I'll give you that. 
I didn't think that they had enough there to, again, to build a I, successful run against the juggernauts of Nintendo and Sony. So, no. No. Well, I mean, look, I... I, I so, for me, I was very interested in the Dreamcast. Uh, and the reason why I was interested in the Dreamcast is simply because... I was just kind of wanted more. Like I was like really into video. Like, I've, I've always been to video games, but 1999 was especially a game where I was playing PC, Nintendo 64. Mm-hmm. Like I just wanted to play all the games. And Dreamcast, I I saw the coverage for Sonic Adventure, which I've never been a Sonic fan, but this was kind of taking Sonic out of the 2D realm and into a 3D kind of uh, adventure role a playing game that i was like oh really interested in that and then i, I i've always been a boxing fan i saw ready these are just games that kind of like was like oh shit ready to rumble nfl blitz 2000 all all these games were really like games that i really wanted to play and then obviously you have what you know power stone that i never got into and soul Calibur and all that mm-hmm. stuff but i i was just really interested in what this console had to offer i thought that for me i was 100% going to get a Dreamcast on launch because that's kind of what I wanted. Like, I, I know PlayStation 2 was on the horizon, was coming, but obviously, in terms of when the PlayStation 2 came out, then all bets were off. Like, that's the console you had to get. And I, I think that Dreamcast uh, just failed because Sega just didn't market it correctly like they they wanted to go they and they released it too late uh I, you know they, they they almost missed the whole year there but uh, what it, it is what it is i think when it when it first came out i was really excited about it but then that dwindled down and i ended up did, uh, getting a dreamcast fairly right right after the launch uh but um yeah i i thought it was i thought it was interesting i thought it could have been a great console i thought it had really cool ideas uh with its memory card and all that cool stuff that it had going for it i thought that the uh, graphically it had really some really impressive games at the time um i like the control i thought it was funky and weird but i think it was functional um Man, that, that but ultimately it is you know like a folded paper plate <laughs> no, I like I, coming from the Duke from Xbox, like the, that monster thing that you got like a, two years later, like that was a quaint little uh, controller. Comparatively speaking, I listen. I I I I was handling a Nintendo sixty four controller. That that's one of the worst controllers of all time. Like anything compared to that is 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 awesome. But yeah, I Man. yeah at the time I really wanted it. Uh, but ultimately at, it was just one of those things where I'm, I'm looking like, at this launch lineup man and I don't know how people can say oh what's one of the best launch lineups of all time here's the launch lineup no I don't think I don't think that's true here's yeah. here's what I mean here tell me if these games ring a bell for you expendable blue stinger trick style flag to flag trick style does pen pen no. try selling TNN hardcore no. heat uh, air no. force delta monaco grand prix aero wings no ready to rumble by like what are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, trouble for sure. You can't sure. come out of the gate against PlayStation, which again is on fire at this point, and Nintendo with the Game Boy and the 64 out there killing it, and come out with this with Sonic Adventure, so a Power Stone and Soul Calibur, and say, well, that's that's the best way to get things off the ground. It's not. So when I say I wasn't I wasn't looking forward to it, I'm not saying that they didn't have its gems or its good games. It's that nothing that they set out to do from the moment this console launched until it died when it died was enough to contend with its competition and i knew that i think i saw i saw the writing yeah, on the wall and me. i didn't want it so no i, I it yeah. sucks but also like when you look at when you look at the playstation t- <laughs> when you look at playstation 2's launch title like it, they, they didn't have a they didn't have bangers no, no, either it's no. just but they had yeah. the momentum 
and that's what's important. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Coming off the heels of what was what was Sega's last console before the Dreamcast, and how good was that one doing? Right. So like that's Not that's good, what yeah. I'm saying. You know, like Sega was in Sega was it was 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 feeling the heat, so they came out with TNN. Too. But that, Compete. and I guess that's my point is that Sega had the, <laughs> but that's my point though. Sega had the opportunity to really come out and 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 hit it out the park because when you look at PlayStation 2's launch titles, I think they're arguably worse. But they had the momentum as a console. You're right because look, these are PS2 uh, real quick. Tag, uh, Time Splitters, Unreal Tournament, Armor Core 2, SSX, DOA 2 Hardcore, DOA 2, Dynasty Warriors, ESPN, yeah, uh, X Games, Midnight five. Club. I mean, these games are fine. Yeah. I think a lot of these games became even better as time went on in terms of like how we we saw them. Like Midnight Club Two is like amazing. Mm-hmm. All right, well, sp- but yeah, uh, but it, it's just one of those things where I think that they dropped the ball themselves. Another stuff inflicted L. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's true for, for Sega there. Yeah, um, but let's talk about the PlayStation Two. And this uh, in 1999, the PlayStation Two was announced. It wasn't out. Yeah, but it was announced and at the time. The question is, did, Pablo, did we think that Sony was here to stay as a console maker? Yeah, they they kind of had, you know, a lot of momentum with the PlayStation 1. But did we think that they were going to really be a major player for the future? Or did we think maybe they just kind of caught lightning in a bottle here, but we, they weren't, you know, or a genie in a bottle, depending how, you know, on your listening taste. Ah, but, Christina you know, Aguilera. Um, that's the weirdest way somebody ever said her name in human history, by the way. <laughs> um, so did we think Sony was here to stay? Did we want a PlayStation 2? And and lastly, where do you think the PS2 ranks among other PlayStation consoles, in your opinion? I I didn't... The funny thing is, is like, the, the Dreamcast was like, man, these past... The past consoles kind of were not for me, so this might be the one for me. When it came to PlayStation Two, I was just when that mindset is like, I don't want, I don't want a part two of the PlayStation. Like, I oh, like the PlayStation just fine as how it is. Like that that kind of stupid mindset as a kid, where it's like, I, you know, like I don't want them to, to I don't want to be able to not be able to play my games anymore. Like that's kind of where I was. But yeah, man, of course, PlayStation Two was announced. Uh, it was everywhere. Uh, and once it came out, it, it pretty much just took over. I mean, it's immediately, it, it was like an immediate hit. Uh, uh, but yeah, once it came out, uh, I think that's when I really was like, okay, I got to get this thing uh, and purchase it as soon as I possibly could. Uh, but yeah, I mean, when it first was announced, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I don't know, do I want more of this? Like, it was just dumb kid shit. But mm-hmm. once it, d- it did come out, it was definitely one of those things where I was like, I'm all about this. I need this in my now, life. Now, were you still so like, predominantly nintendo at the time that playstation yeah. 2 didn't maybe appeal to you as strong as other like you know things or or no, did you see it right I had, away I, yeah i saw it right away because at that point uh i had all, at 99 i had all i've actually i purchased or at least i would say my dad purchased from your playstation say, one yeah, clarify from, who's uh, buying this shit <laughs> yeah yeah my dad uh, my dad bought this for me uh out of a thrift shop or a uh, uh, you know how do you call pawn those shop? Uh, pawn yeah, shop yeah yeah, he he bought it for me out of pawn shop. Some guy had it. He he told it for like thirty dollars. But I was like, all right. I was like, I bought you this thing. I was like, oh, oh shit, it's a PlayStation. Um, no memory I'm glad card. You never had a memory card. That accent as you got older. That's one say. Yeah, I was. I had a weird accent as a kid, <laughs> but I never had a memory card for the PlayStation One. Uh, but anyway, uh, but yeah, I was I was in the I was in the ecosystem. I understood it, uh, but I was really into PC games and Nintendo mm. at the moment at the time. Okay. But PlayStation Two kind of pulled me away from the PC world. Gotcha, for sure. Okay, 
Yeah. Well, Pablo, let's start looking through the history of 1999 in terms of the highest ranking stuff, the best selling stuff. Wait, I don't think you talked about how you felt with PlayStation 2. Oh, I mean, look, I, you know, I was all in immediately. I was excited about it because I knew that PlayStation was, you know, really starting to figure out how to modernize gaming a little bit more and make things more cinematic. And they were really into hardware. Um, so I, uh, you know, hardware specs, that is. So I, I really believed in them a lot. Um, I, um, as far as where I think the PlayStation two ranks among other consoles, I think that's right. Yeah. I, forgot I think it's probably my number one, if I'm being honest, I think it was just the golden era of, of, you know, um, diversity in, in, you know, the, the gaming industry in terms of genres and yeah. weird stuff came out on that console that just worked and it was bizarre, but it was just cool. Um, there was something for everybody, literally, and 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 the the catalog was so vast that you you never could run out of one thing to play for, uh, to play uh, on the PlayStation Two. I think that's why, I think, a lot of times, at the time, I remember people like kind of going, you know, I only need one console. I just need a PS Two, because everything came out on PS Two. You got the best of Japanese yeah. games. You got a lot of the good Western stuff at the same time. You got a lot of the weird, like obscure stuff that that, that would come out. And so you really had all your boxes checked um, compared to, you know, where the OG Xbox was at or, you know, kind of the waning years of the 64. So to me, especially the Dreamcast, which, you know, I think there's no comparison there after a while. So I think to me, it's my number one. I'd probably put the original PlayStation at number two um, and probably the PS4 at my number three spot. I go four. I go PlayStation 4 is my number one. PS2 is my number Mm. two. And then one, five, and then three, probably. Yeah, yeah three is definitely the my last place. Yeah, that was a rough time. Yeah, rough time. Yeah. Okay. Um, I what I did with three. Side note is I literally waited till the last year was available. I bought it for super cheap and bought and played all the games that people were raving. That's smart though. In like a year, that was smart. Yeah, that's all I did. I hated yeah. the PlayStation Three, dude. Oh my god, I don't know what. Yeah. Just, to me, it was such a bad. We'll talk about that a different time, I guess. But it was just such a rough <laughs> console, man. Just from top to bottom. Yeah. Bad PlayStation at that point. Just bad PlayStation. Bad PlayStation. Five hundred and ninety-nine U.S. dollars. Come on, man. Get a second job, you dumb bitches. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get into some of the best things and a few of the worst things of 1999. Let's start with the best-selling games of 1999, Pablo. Um, coming in at number one is Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow. Coming in at number two is Final Fantasy VIII. Number three, Pokemon Gold and Silver. Number four, the very first Super Smash Brothers. And number five was Donkey Kong 64. So, Pablo, when you look at this top five list, what are the things that, that kind of stand out to you? What, what are the things that kind of pique your interest? And uh, at the time, are we asking ourselves, what the fuck is Pokemon? <laughs> you know, so where are you at no. with all that? Yeah, I was very familiar with Pokemon, but with the trading cards, I was one of those kids that mm. was collecting Pokemon cards. Uh, so when the game came out, I was like, oh, shit. My only kind of disappointment about the Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow that it was on a Game Boy. Yeah. Uh, you know, but but uh, ultimately, I mean, yeah, I was very all in on this. I knew exactly what I wanted here when these games came out, uh, and uh, I loved it. My surprise, my biggest standout here is Final Fantasy VIII because I know it's a Final Fantasy game, but I remember very vividly people hating on eight. Uh, for no reason other than it wasn't seven, or seven part two, I guess is 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 really what. So I'm, it's it's impressive that it's still you know it's still managed even with with Nintendo kind of at 
in Nintendo and PlayStation in all power here that it managed to sneak in and not sneak in. It's managed to be number two mm-hmm. here, best selling game in 1999. I would have never guessed that just based on the feeling that people had about uh, the, the opinions that people had of the game. Not that the game was bad, just that I very, very vividly people hating eight because it just wasn't seven and it didn't have cloud. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. It was tough. So. It was definitely tough back then with that game. Cause it was like, it was, it was such a step up like visually and in terms of like cinematic presentation over seven because it wasn't those little like sprite characters anymore. Right. It was like, you know, actual full size people. So it was cool looking. It it definitely looked good in trailers and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the power of Final Fantasy was so. real at the time. Yeah. But yeah. it was definitely a niche kind of game. And in the end with how yeah. people look at it in retrospect, for sure. Yeah. Man, Pokemon, though. Um, it's yeah. nuts. It's, po- po- it's crazy. Nintendo. Nintendo, Nintendo was, was you know, out killing here, it right they now. They were smoking everybody's yeah. boots. And po- between Pokemon, the debut of Smash Brothers, which, I mean, obviously that has become such a huge staple of gaming uh, and, and how it's evolved I, and, from it, its beginnings to celebrate all things gaming now. Like, it's crazy, man. It's such a weird game, such a weird idea. Like, I did, I never played Super Smash Bros. on, on, uh, on Nintendo. Me neither. Uh, I, Super Nintendo. I just didn't I mean, think it mean, was uh, interesting. I was like... 64. No, I thought it came out on Super Nintendo. Mm-mm. It didn't ever come out on Super Nintendo. Mm-mm. I think you're right. Um, yeah, I think you're right. But yeah, I just never played it. I just it wasn't my it wasn't my thing at all. Uh, but yeah, Donkey Kong sixty four is amazing. So that that none of that really surprises me too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, what do you want me to do? You want me to go to the top review games? Yeah, go ahead and jump in with yours. Yeah. That sucker off. Top review games of 1999. Number one, Soul Calibur. Number two, Chrono Cross. Number three, Gran Turismo 2. Number four, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. And number five, Unreal Tournament. Marco, do you have any kind of time or place where you remember playing these games and thinking, man, these games are among the best games I've ever played based on reviews? Well, first of all, I didn't like your tone when you got to Gran Turismo 2. I didn't like any of that. I don't like your attitude with, with, with GT2. That's a classic. So, no, here's what I will say. Um, I played I played all these games. I got around to Soul Calibur very late because I didn't obviously want a Dreamcast, but I did play it eventually. These games are really good, and they're very uh, you know yeah. important in their own way. What I like about this top five of top-reviewed games is that they're each a different genre. I really loved, again, like I said, back then, Gaming was so much more diverse, and you can feel like people were really experimenting in this in this uh, time frame, and it wasn't so market focus tested. And let's all make the same game the same way. But there was a little something for everybody. You have a JRPG, a fighting game, a racing game, a sports game, and a first person shooter. Like I miss those days when you can look at this your your lineup of games for a year and go, wow, there was a little of everything, you know. So I like it on yeah. on the surface. I think my standouts are Gran Turismo 2 and Tony Hawk, personally. Uh, GT2 was just so good, man. It was just such a great simulation racing game, man. It was it was fun to play, despite it being very difficult for a kid like me. because I'm a, I was never a car enthusiast. Um, but Tony Hawk, man, from the demo to the full release, I could not put that game down. Um, I love it to this day. Unreal Tournament. It's that slippery, slidey, roller skatey feeling that I don't like about those kinds of games. Um, Love that I can't, game. I can't deal with it. It gives me motion sickness. I, I never liked that. Uh, Chrono Cross was a bit of a letdown. I didn't really care for that game over the ori- over Chrono Trigger, and Soul Calibur was a great time. I can't I can't deny that. 
So that's that's kind of yeah. where I'm at when I look at this from a from afar. What about you? Um, yeah, no, my standout for me is uh, definitely Unreal Tournament. Uh, I, I was just again, it was in my, in my PC bag, and it's kind of where I was uh, where I was at. But uh, definitely, I, I liked Soul Calibur quite a bit, and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Uh, never played Chrono Cross uh, and Gran Turismo Two. Um, I'm sure I played. I just can't. I don't have any real memories of it myself. So, um, but yeah, man, I I love Unreal Tournament though. That was kind of like my turning point on first-person shooters mm. uh, in terms of arena uh, multiplayer first-person shooters, which is kind of still something that I I still love even until today. Like I I I, I like those games. I like the fast-paced action. I'm not any good at them anymore just because I'm my my reflexes have just been gone to hell because i'm in my late 30s but you know it's definitely one of those things where i i played remember being completely blown away by it uh and and, and loving every minute of it as i played it but yeah that's good like you said good well-rounded reviews here uh which brings us to the worst game of 1999 which is <laughs> a game i fucking loved you did super yeah i did I, I i think you'll you'll it's by the way it's superman 64 i think you'll find a lot of people who played this game at the time recognized that it was horrible and yet couldn't put it down. Not because it was in any way interesting in terms of like, it, it's an misunderstood masterpiece or it's misunderstood. And it's just, it's a few tweaks away from being good. It's bad through and through, but it's just being able to plot, fly around, even though you're flying through rings, <laughs> that Superman looked janky. It's, it was kind of open worldish. I mean, it was, and you can just kind of crash down. And it, it, it did a lot for me. Like it was, it was one of those games where I really loved. It's not a game I ever owned. It's a, one of those video King rentals that I yeah. rented like 900 times. Uh, but I, I love Superman 64 and understanding that it is absolutely one of the worst games of 1999 uh, all at the same time. Yeah. Probably, yeah. I mean, I think uh, the exception would probably be that ET game that they had a fucking buried in the desert. <laughs> uh, this was just good enough to not be buried somewhere. Uh, but yeah, I, I I have fond memories of this, understanding fully well it is complete garbage. Yeah, I never played it, but I'll tell you one thing, and this is gonna sound a little sadistic. I want more bad comic book games like this so that we so that we can get all these fucking licensed marvel and dc games and all that shit the hell out of the industry for a while and tone it down a little bit give me some more superman 64s in 2023 i want to see games fail i want to see these games fall the fuck apart because I'm so tired of all these different studios. Let's let's make a DC game and let's let's make it a, a PVE game. You know, like just fucking stop. Leave it to in, leave leave it to Insomniac to make some good shit. And the rest of you guys go sit down. Like so, I I want to see more fumbles like Superman sixty four in the future. So we start getting original ideas from these studios again, and not just more of these like cash grabby. What if we make a, a Suicide Squad game? You know, like, how about not do that and make something that's actually, you know, interesting and original? So, I don't know, man. I kind of want, I want the comeback of Superman 64 just to completely ruin but, comic book games for people. But I just want to know this. I really want to know. There was, there's an E.T. video game documentary. I want, I want the Superman one because yeah. everything was broken. 
the game was nearly impossible to play. It yes. was incredibly difficult, even on the easiest of 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 of, 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 of difficulties. More. And it was just, <laughs> it was just, man, it was crazy. But um, yeah. yeah, well, let's keep on rolling, man. Let's keep on rolling. Let's get to best-selling consoles of 1999, Pavel. Let's talk about that. Number one yeah. was the Sony PlayStation. The new kids on the block are number one over Nintendo. What? But it's true. Number two was Game Boy slash Game Boy Color. Interesting that it was still around back then and kicking. Nintendo 64 yeah. coming in at the three spot. The Sega Dreamcast at number four. And then the Bandai Wonder Swan. Hey, put respect on the Dreamcast. Not if you did what you did with Gran Turismo 2's call out. I don't like that. So okay, uh, true the, the Bandai Wonder Swan, though, Pablo, obviously a oh staple God, of gaming's history. Swan. Stable of kids. I mean, when you think about the best consoles of all time, you don't like swans. The 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 wander swan. You don't like the wander. A thing that I definitely heard of before. Yeah, no oh, man. The greatest name in console gaming history it just feels so now, Marco, elegant. I have a question to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to put this eloquently as possible. What the fuck is a Bandai wander swan? Well, I don't know what that is. It's a very curious uh, bird breed that just wanders and pontificates. <laughs> Uh, perpetually about life, and they turn that into and you a can console. plug a control into his ass. Yeah, I haven't actually seen this console's appearance before. I'm looking it up right now in real time, real life, real life. It's show. a handheld. Um. Oh. Yeah. Just, okay. All right, Google. It's like you you want to see this? Oh God, <laughs> this looks horrible. <laughs> this looks. I want one. How much is it? $245 on oh, eBay man. purchased. This looks like those like cheap flea market like console like little devices that you could tell like somebody made at home. This looks terrible. There is yeah. there is a there are two D-pads, Pablo, on the left side of this two of motherfucker. Them. Where are the buttons? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, what the hell is Where that? Where the buttons go? Oh, there's only two of those buttons. Oh. They got two D-pads, and they got an A and a B on the on the, right, the right side. Oh, my God. What the fuck? Uh, I'm shocked I've never heard of this. Just kidding. This is horrible. Um, oh, man. Yeah, I, yeah. This, is, this was a flop. This was a flop to be. The buttons, okay, the, the bottom deep. Wait a fucking minute. The top, of the, the top D-pad is Y1, Y2, Y3, and Y4. No, this is an, abom- this is an abomination. This, what the fuck kind of algebra-ass, solve-for-X-ass D-pad is this? No. But it's what, top five selling consoles crazy, of the year. That's insane. Ho. There must have only been five different consoles for this to be in the top five. That's nuts. Probably. Anyways. It sold 3.5 million units. 3.5. Wow. So there was a Yeah, due to its brightly colored. Let me tell you something, dude. I am having a little bit of flashbacks on this. Because I remember kind of the color thing was like huge. Oh, you mean like the different um, shell cases? Colors, yeah. Green one, blue one, all that. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of ringing the bell now. Uh, But nope, never had one. Never wanted. This is like an old pager. That's what it looks like to me. Looks like a man. Old this is not real, man. This is not real. Well, this Wonder Swan aside, crazy. how do you feel about the other rankings, though? Is it is it is it, is it weird yeah, to see PlayStation is, at the top? Is it weird to see sixty four to three spot? Is it weird to see Dreamcast at four? Where where are you at with this? No, because uh, I mean, Nintendo sixty four came out what year? I mean, ninety nine, but like right in ninety nine. Uh, no, no, I think it came out uh, before that. 
or 98? No. No, no, I'm, right? I'm tripping. Like, guys, I'm tripping. It came out in 97, 96. Yeah, I think this makes sense because I think when, when does the Nintendo... Uh, when does the next one come out? When does GameCube come out? This came, it, the 64 was in 96, in September 96. GameCube yeah. came out in 20, well, 2001. 2001. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, this makes sense because it was literally the last year uh, or the last two couple of years of it and it's still among the best-selling consoles uh, here competing with its own handheld market which basically Game Boy had a stranglehold on gaming forever. I mean, Nintendo, when it comes to handheld, they, they, they just have a stranglehold on, on, on that market space. So this makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. PlayStation being number one, Game Point being number two, and Nintendo 64 being number three, and then Sega Dreamcast and, and Bandai Wanderswan rounding it out because it seemingly were the only other two consoles uh, that released. I think if we you released a console called it Marco Stripper and it sold one, you might be number six on this Tell list. So, be the um, oiliest console you've ever had. All right, glitter, we're moving on. Glitter all over it and have a dollar bill stuck hey. to the bottom. <laughs> no, uh, that's very nice. <laughs> what are we talking about right now? All right. Pablo, it is time to round out our 1999 year in review with going back to our top five favorite games of 1999. Pablo, we have each picked our games. Um, I think these are a pretty interesting reflection of our tastes back then and kind of uh, a combination of that and plus where we kind of stand now in hindsight. But very interesting yeah. list. I can I can finally say we have a list of games where we have no overlap whatsoever. We have nothing in common <laughs> because my list is better than yours. But anyway, Pablo, go ahead and hit me with your list here. Talk about, uh, do you want to just go through uh, through all your games at the same time here? Run, yeah, run through them? I'll go. All right. Yeah, you got this. Go ahead. Yeah, so my, at number five, I have Winback. Do you want me to kind of give some oh, yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. it? I want to hear a little bit. You, you got yeah, to you you know, explain, was... explain Winback to the people. Well, I mean, Winback, uh, a lot like Kill Switch. Remember uh, Kill yeah. Switch? Yeah, that was the over the sh- that was like the Gears of War before Gears of War almost, right? Like the over the shoulder. Right, uh, right, right. Cover right. shooter. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but no, Winback was just one of these games that, that, that came out. And it was the same thing. It was like it was a cover shooter. Uh, and when this game came out, I it would I'll admit it. I this game blew me away. I was completely blown away by it. I thought it looked absolutely amazing. I thought the cover system was cool. I, I felt like I was just, you know, I felt like I was just infiltrating like i kind of feel like metal gear solid esque with guns infiltrating these facilities you know leaning up against the wall pop shooting Mm. here and there it just it was one of those games where i really was like oh my god this is like the future of games like this is going to be awesome and i I enjoyed it it was just a a shooter uh very simple i I think people tend to like this game have you ever played Winback? yeah i did yeah i did because it seemed like it was getting a lot of attention in egm at the time or like Game Pro magazine, like yeah, it because always, it was supposed always had an ad for it somewhere. I'm like, all right, is this good or not? And it turned out to be okay. Because graphic, yeah, because graphically it was like, oh, this is a step above. Like yeah. this is this is what the future of games graphically is in terms of how it's going to look like. Uh, but yeah, I remember taking down the crying lions. Was the, they were the bad guys uh, <laughs> of me. the game? Uh, yeah, that's that what they were called. The crying lions. Sounding uh, group of villains right there. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to kill you. But it had a lot of Metal Gear Solid. It had a lot of Metal Gear Solid stuff. Like, I think one of the main bad guys, like Coleman, 
like you know, like they have a lot of stuff there that that yeah, they 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 were trying to do a little bit of everything here. Uh, But yeah, loved went back. Uh, And then uh, going into the next list uh, game here, I have. Uh, Unreal Tournament, which I talked about earlier on top, which was basically it's this arena shooter. Uh, Cliffy B is responsible for it as well. Like he he's very involved in it, and it's basically just you in an arena of people with gra- like where you can uh, just jump around. You're in the air floating. There's zero gravity to, uh, levels as well. Uh, the, the, you can control one of the the rocket launchers and just kind of blow people up into pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just it's it's just it's a shooter in the most frantic way possible. And just think about in 1999, this game coming out. It's on PC and just kind of like holy shit. It was just sweaty good time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, love. I loved it. Loved Unreal Tournament, and and even till this day, I kind of always look for an, the new iteration of Unreal Tournament. Even Unreal Tournament 2000, and or when those started coming out, I, I still want the next iteration. I want the next big thing, and I want Cliffy B to be involved. Lawbreakers was the closest we got to it, uh, and unfortunately, that didn't work out for him. So, mm-hmm. Unreal Tournament there's number four. Number three, this is a fucking masterpiece of a game. NFL Blitz 2000. I love uh, NFL Blitz. Uh, so much. It just basically took the video game, took the 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 football game, which you know I also love Madden '99. It's probably my favorite Madden of all time. But it took that and just cranked it up to a million and just all out violent tackles and just kind of small smaller games like it three was on like three or over four the four, top like NBA it. Jamba for football almost. Yeah, yeah. It basically, it was that, yeah. but it was like you were doing wrestling moves on on fools. It was just, it was a fun ass game. Did you ever play Blitz? Oh, I played a lot of Blitz. I played a lot of the arcade version uh, of Blitz back in the day. Yeah. It was a good time. It was a good time. Even if I, I nah, wasn't I a big football uh, fan when I was a kid, or really in in, in general. Yeah. Um, but man, that was a fun time. Man, it was just complete mayhem. Every every play was something nuts going on, and that that's what I loved about it. It didn't feel so like stiff and confusing uh, compared to the game of football for me when I was a kid. Back man, that was a good ass time. That was a good ass time. It was like yeah. Mortal Kombat, but with a sport. <laughs> so right, 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 right. Yeah. I think uh, another one was like uh, NFL Street. People, it was yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Liked that was a good game too. Yeah. Yeah, and then number two is where we get into my uh, Pablo as Pablo yep. stuff, and that's Jeff Force Gemini. I love Jeff Force Gemini. Jeff Force Gemini was another one of those games that came out. It's like, oh, this looks so awesome. You know, you, you land on this planet, and these little cute little koala bear looking things that you have to save from the evil bad guy. There's three playable characters at the time. The game, the way it controlled, the way it played was really awesome. It was a third-person shooter. Like, it, there wasn't a lot of those. Like, just like all-out third-person shooters out there. And the way it played, the way it looked, I, I loved it. I thought it was just, like, an amazing video game that even going back to it, realizing that it probably wasn't that. But at the time, it was it definitely blew my mind. It's a game that I, it's a game I played for years because you had to collect 99 of those koala bears to advance to the last uh, planet. And I was like at 78, 80 for years until I finally got got to it, and it was, it was awesome. Koala Love bears, Jeff Gemini. man. Koala. They were like, they were like. Uh, Are they, were they really called koala bears? I didn't play a lot of this game ever. No, so I. No, they looked like little. Uh, no, they. I don't know what they okay, were called. I, I thought forgot. it was literally uh, called "Get Them Koala Bears," it, rescue the koalas. No, they were. Uh, they were called. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> I can't. I can't even recall what they're Don't called. Don't worry about it. But they look. Have you looked? Have you looked them up? How uh, they look yeah, like I see, the tribals? They I were. See them they now, were called yeah. tribals. That's fun. Yeah, they were called tribals. That's what they were called. Yeah, um, <laughs> loved it. I love that game. And it's kind of like a fucked up story too. Like they're like enslaved group oh. of people by this. Okay, Nintendo. Yeah, okay, rare. So, all right. So they were they were out there doing their thing a little bit, and then of of course, I mean, you can't be a Nintendo fan. And have a Donkey Kong 64 release and not ha- be one of your favorite games of, of, of 1999. Donkey Kong 64, some people want to talk shit about this game now and say that it isn't as good as it was. Yeah, there's some really? people out there talking that oh. shit. That, yeah, that's just people being uh, being assholes. Uh, that's all that well, I mean, really well, is. Why, why do they feel uh, that way, though? Like, what, what do they not like? Because it wasn't like... It wasn't like uh, it wasn't like Donkey Kong Country or, or like it was oh, like oh. it w- it didn't really like it wasn't more it, the platform of it all was it wasn't as difficult as people oh. remember the the Donkey Kong games being it was a little bit and it's true it was a little bit more blase fair and but it was good I loved it the, those cart those cart missions were absolutely amazing uh and it was just awesome i I loved jumping into a barrel and shooting out uh and collecting all those bananas Mm -hmm. uh it was just it was just a really fun time a really cool uh platformer that i to this day i think holds up and i still play it uh whenever i get the chance uh but yeah tropical freeze though killed this shit but donkey kong 64 is one of the best platformers of all time what's your favorite donkey kong is it is it tropical freeze freeze it's a tropical freeze, yeah. Okay. And and then and then Donkey Kong sixty four, uh, probably right behind it. Yeah. All right. Well, that was. What do you got? What are your top five All games? Right. We got we that? got some we got some bangers on my list, man. We got we got we got we got the better list here. I think so. WWF Attitude, ladies and gentlemen, is my Absolute number five game. Jesus Christ. Um, big wrestling fan when I was a kid. Huge wrestling fan. So much so that I was over the moon about playing subpar wrestling games. Um, that came out from back in the day. And Attitude was one of my most anticipated wrestling games I had ever had because I was kind of right at the peak of my fanfare of the WWF, as they were called at the time. Um, and this game to me was dope, despite how terrible it was. Uh, it, was it had a you know pretty good roster, all things considered. Uh, it was fun to create wrestlers, create our own fictional characters. I remember me and Pablo made our own uh wrestling tag team at the time i don't know if pablo remembers this but we made <laughs> we made a team called ice and flame uh yeah. one of us was all in weird blue you know attire and one of us was in matching attire but but all red and uh we came out there looking like idiots uh compared to everybody we were going to but we had a good time was it, man was it why did we do that? Was it because of Double Dragon? I don't know. I just think we were we didn't have any better ideas because we were just kids. So was you be ice <laughs> and I'll be the flame, and then for our entrances, I'll do like the explosion from like Kane's entrance. And I think that was <laughs> our that that was our logic at the time. So Pablo used to come over, we'd play it, we'd be the tag team, we'd go, we do hit our finishing moves and everything, hit our poses and everything. Yeah. It's a good ass time, I gotta say. So it was. I had, it was a terrible game in, in retrospect. It is unplayable in modern era, but at the time that was, that was the shit. But as kids, man, as kids, and now reminiscing, you never feel those no. things like, oh, this game is unplayable. Like what's the the Bonsai Brothers, Bonanza Bonsai Brothers. Bros. But the that game was awful. But we had the best time oh, yeah. of all times. We, we didn't just, know any better. That's like one of our favorite yeah, games. We didn't know any better. No, we didn't know any better. Uh, but that was my number five. Getting into number four, ladies and gentlemen. The Legacy of Kane, Soul Reaver. 
Um, man, this game freaked That's me the one. fuck out, man. That opening cinematic where Raziel was sitting there in front of Kane. He kneels down. He's, you know, paying homage to his, his master. And Kane walks up behind him, rips his wings off, and throws him into a, yep. a, an abyss. And he starts decomposing and turns into this goblin-looking creature. Um, this this game just threw me for a loop because I had never seen a game that, you know, that gory and yeah. gothic before man it was just nuts and um the gameplay was not what i expected it was like more of a puzzle solving game in a lot of ways with with a little dash of combat in there uh so it was definitely a game that takes some getting used to but i think that it, it kind of helped expand my horizons when it came to storytelling and gameplay um because it, it kind of introduced some new elements that i did, wasn't used to at the time all with a really cool gothic style and and lore that i found really really fascinating so it got me into the series um and made me kind of look back through some of the uh, the games that came out before soul reaver came out and uh, i became a fan man so that yeah. was my yeah. number four I, I think that four and three on your list didn't make mine because it's they're not games that i played mm. Uh, in 1999, I played it much later oh, I got you. in life. So. Okay. Speaking yeah. of my number three, Resident Evil 3 Nemesis is at that three spot for me, man. Um, I was huge in Resident Evil back then. RE1, RE2 were both classics to me at the time. Then my girl Jill Valentine comes back. Jill Valentine, sorry. Uh, she comes back in RE3, and she's got Nemesis chasing her all through these streets. It was terrifying. It was awesome. It was uh, unsettling at every turn. I've I've never had that much like enjoyable dread playing a game as a kid. Just being like, my stomach would turn when I turned that <laughs> game on because I'm like, this motherfucking nemesis is gonna come for me as soon as I turn this corner. I bet you. And sure enough, he explodes through a door, and then you're running for your life. Man, that game was terrifying. Uh, doesn't get enough this love. Dumb man. nemesis. <laughs> It doesn't. Get, it gets a, actually. It gets like a bad rap. Yeah, honestly, it doesn't get enough love to me. But I think it to, to me. I thought it was great. And I thought the remake was great too. Um, yeah. number two, Silent Hill. Man, it is nuts to think that this game came out in 1999. I had to double check that because I'm like, no way. But yeah, it came out in '99. It is still one of my favorite survival horror games and franchises in general of all time. That game was creepy as shit. The fog. Every time I have a foggy morning here, I always think about Silent Hill now. I always hear the music. Uh, it's some of the best music, the best atmosphere in a horror game ever. So much psychological warfare going on in those games, too. Yeah. They're not just the oh, beat you over the head. Here's a scary monster that's going to chase you around. It was so much more than that, so much more nuanced. Um, I remember a lot of things from that game really un like creeping me out and just leaving me perpetually stuck in this like eerie world that I just couldn't pull myself yeah. away from. It was such a good game, and I'm so glad it's coming back uh, all these years later after its hiatus. But yeah, the original Silent Hill, the OG Silent Hill, top-tier stuff in my personal opinion. But my number one is Final Fantasy VIII. Uh, yeah, haters be damned. I think this Final Fantasy is incredible. I've always caped really hard for this game because I think it has been given a bad hand by a lot of people, to Pablo's point earlier, that wanted more Final Fantasy VII 
or you know treated like the characters as too emo or didn't like the school setting i thought that game was fantastic from the combat which i think some people don't like but i did to the world the soundtrack is insanely good um all the way down to triple triad man that card game was fires Fire Flame Juice. I like a remake. I like a remake in the vein of Final Fantasy VII because I just I would love to get I into want this. That. Um, this game was great. This game was great. I still have the the PS. I have the PS One disc right next to me over here. Um, I love this game to pieces, and I think it has been criminally underrated uh, by the Final Fantasy community. It's way better than. I think people have given it credit for. So it's my number one, man. I could not put this game down to save my life, man. It was just, it was the, it was the, it was the game that defined my year, hands down, because uh, it was so damn good. Um, and I think it's the best game that came out that year. I don't give a fuck what anybody says about that. So, yeah. Um, Pablo, that is going to do it for our trip to 1999 in episode 99. That was a good time. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, we always like going back down through our gaming history and kind of reliving those moments and those consoles and the good and bad and ugly of those years. And this was no exception. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, until next time, be sure to give our podcast a sub if you enjoyed this. And don't forget to follow us on IG, Twitter, and Hive to keep us in your FOV in between episodes. Please come back next week for our episode 100 special. Ladies and gentlemen, it is going to be a good time. Uh, we are super excited with what we're going to be doing uh, for that episode. So be sure to check back next week uh, and, and see what we got going on for you. But until then, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.